These kids don't seem traumatized at all, I said. They seem completely normal. Yeah, that must be really weird for you, Jake. That must be really, <laughs> that must be really weird to see, huh? <laughs> I'm not traumatized child? Jake will see a kid and be like, is anyone going to traumatize that and not wait for an answer? <laughs> Waiting for a break in the rain Waiting for the moment to change your lane I came home from the wasteland Heroic and triumphant like a comic book girl Created out of nothing like a comic book girl Hey! Hello? Hello? Okay. T.A. Andros, I don't know if you can, like, hear this or if you're going to look at this, but it's been 20 minutes and the rest of my discussion group isn't here, and this is a discussion, so I'm just going to leave. Bye! What's up, nerds? Guess who just lied to the government? Yeah, lied to the government! Oh, I love to lie to the government. I didn't do my taxes for three years in a row, so. <laughs> Did you lie about this garbage book? It felt like whoever was, like, writing these, like, fake books was just like, uh, did we have one where they, like, went to a volcano yet? No, okay, it's about a volcano now. Bye. I had a weird night this past week. I did, like, I went back to this book. Like, I, I, I sort of opened up the, the, the PDF to just look at it this morning and i was like oh wait no that actually happened well did it no but what i'm saying is that like i actually read this book yeah i didn't hallucinate this book handshake meme you jake hallucinating this book (laughs) (laughs) basically yeah if we're if we're gonna be consistent about how we've been reading these neither of them happened but one of them happened a lot less than the other one Yeah, I mean, maybe they did go to a volcano, but I mean, I, I only like skimmed the book that the rest of the class is reading. I did actually but... read it and <laughs> definitely regretted it. But, you know, for some reason I had this one. I, I never read this far when I was a kid, but I had this one as a kid and I read it mm-hmm. and I was like very much messed Scarred up as a result. Life. Yeah, this is yeah, a really you... intense one, obviously. Yeah, you read this as a child? Yeah, I did. They let they let children read this? The Animorphs like wrote these journals to kind of be aimed at like children or like at least a very basic reading level, like accessible for everyone. So I think they were kind of expecting kids to read these. Mm-hmm. But, but like Jake is so clearly out of his gourd right now. Like yeah. he's just completely not in contact with reality. He can't even keep a grip out on the reality touch. that he's hallucinating. Like Something was going on. I am so sorry for you that you had to read this as a child. The one that we had to read for class, that one, I just don't understand at this point why they think they can get away with this kind of thing. I mean, they are getting away with it, so, I mean, yeah. there's the answer. But well, it just is so, it, like, it's like parody is dead, you know, that sort of thing. Right. There's no way that we can top what's actually happening in the world. And this feels like an example of that where it's just so, like... Okay, like, what? (laughs) This is very clearly propaganda. You can't really just search for the entire text of a book. Does a record of the text that I personally read, because I did not read what T.A. addressed aside, I read what Professor Leon provided us with, uh, does a record of this text 
exist outside of the PDF we were sent. Can you go and buy a copy of Volume 41, The Familiar, the one that we read or that I read? They're not in right? print anymore. You can't just replace the entire contents of a book and have nobody notice. You know? Like, some people are going to remember the original though. or going to have paper copies like yourself, right? Like, I'm no one. It doesn't matter. Like, I think it just... It's just been long enough, you know? This book came out forever ago. Mm-hmm. I think I think this has happened, like, a lot, like, many, many times. It's just that it may not seem like it. <laughs> what, the people have, like, stolen and counterfeited the entire content of a piece of, like, historical text? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, literally all the time. Throughout American history, for sure. And, like, British history... 1800s. I, I think the difference that you might be focusing on is the fact that this was marketed, like these were a product, but... That's true. That was a long time ago, and they'll just be like, oh, well, this was like fan fiction, basically. It just... I, I, there's a million ways you can explain it away. It's so easy. You would think... Like, I understand your outrage. The outrage is very reasonable. And also because so many documents were destroyed in, like, the 2020s, it's so easy to just be like, oh, well, actually, we found out this is, you know, like, a journal that they didn't publish at the time that we found later, and it's totally real. Or, like, oh, we found out that actually, you know, this journal that you thought was real was fake. It's, like, so easy to say Right. The history of the documents is, like, a really important thing to consider, too. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I just feel so, I just feel gaslit, to be totally honest. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. We are being gaslit. It's ridiculous. How was the class, speaking of? Oh, I just showed up and I was like, oh, look, my discussion group isn't here. I just, like, sat there for 20 minutes, like, screwing around on my phone. Um, and then I was like, oh, look, no one showed up. Guess we're not having a discussion. Then immediately came here. So, hypothetical. Uh, you go to bed, you have pleasant dreams, you wake up, you are 25 years old, and also in a sci-fi dystopia, I guess? What do you do? The sci-fi dystopia is run by hibachi horses, I guess, to <laughs> right. sort of continue with our theme. It's, uh, it's hibachi mandatory. Yeah, I was going to make a very pessimistic joke about that being real life, but... Um... Oof. Oof. I don't know, what would I do? Like, oh, probably exactly that. what Jake did. I think about this sort of thing all the time, like the alternate reality thing, mm-hmm. like older self meeting younger self. So I don't know. Um, probably just be like, I wow, diagnose you with trans. What a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my> God, <laughs> what, a, what a great dream I'm having. It's so weird. <laughs> Maybe I've been watching too much cyberpunk to yeah. like. <laughs> I think about this kind of thing a lot because I feel like whenever this kind of thing happens to anyone mm-hmm. like they suddenly find themselves in an alternate reality or time traveling or whatever they always really suck at blending in and maybe it's just because like i struggled with kind of getting along with other kids when i was younger mm-hmm. but i feel like i've really learned a lot of skills like based around just sort of watching groups and figuring out how to interact with those groups because i like had to learn that so that people would stop hitting me code switching is Something that I think people adapt to 
because they have to. So if you had to, I mean, I think you you would probably be surprised at how quickly you could do that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. So whenever anyone is just like, oh, I'm going to cause a big fuss and run around <laughs> screaming about how I time travel. I'm just like, oh, my God, just watch what everyone else is doing and do it, too. I also feel like if I time travel to the past because I like am interested in historical garments, mm-hmm. I would immediately be better off because I would like grab stuff off a clothing line and actually know how to wear it. Sounds like a good fiction you should write for yourself. <laughs> it does. But Jacob Adamore, 15 years old, has never code switched in his life. I mean, you could you could argue that going from like being around the other Animorphs to being around his brother Tom kind of is code switching. Oh, it absolutely is. I'm sorry. I uh, I would like to retract my previous statement about Jacob <laughs> Adamore, 15 years old. Uh, <laughs> like the the like archetype of the white boy that Jacob Animorph is though is not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's debatably It's not white, very but... code switching prone. Yeah. No. <laughs> Just like regular regular basketball man is not particularly <laughs> generic basketball man. Generic basketball man with his hairy muscular forearms <laughs> and calves. You have to have great calves. He's got to have great calves to be a bas- a basketball man. Yeah, actually, speaking of which, I heard that Jacob Adamorf at twenty five years old was had an eight pack. I heard that Jacob Adamorf at twenty five years old was shredded. <laughs> That's a lie. Jacob Adamorf's at twenty five years old is a punk. <laughs> It's <laughs> 25 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> oh God. But like specifically, he's absolutely cut as part of a uh, institutional sort of like body training program by the Yurks. And like, I guess it makes sense that they would have that. God, like the degree of institutional control. Like it definitely feels weird to have a Yurk standard of like human fitness and beauty yeah well they kind of do have it for like all of the species that they control i think that's a good point this isn't gonna be politically correct but we're not in the class discussion screw it i don't think that uh i don't think that maybe this is something that yurks don't necessarily have the sort of like aesthetic sensibility for but i would think in a situation under which you are like sort of controlling humanity in this way you're gonna start specializing them like dogs right that would be cool Okay, that sounds really bad. It's I'm sorry eugenics. for saying. I'm sorry for saying. In my defense, I am disabled. I know eugenics is bad. Um, I was just immediately going to like the mental image of like, ooh, what would I be like as a specialized human? I'd have really messed up long hands probably because I do a lot of like handicrafts and stuff. <laughs> so I, my specific that would be cool was like, what would my specialized dog breed Sona be? Um, not the concept of eugenics in general. Aside to wiggly fingers at birth. (laughs) (laughs) But instead, like, the Yurks are like, no, all human beings must be absolutely just shredded. Jacked. All all human beings must be absolutely sub 5% body fat or go with the the maimed and disabled hole that they've created (laughs) for themselves. I'm the maimed and disabled (laughs) hole. That's where I live. That's my apartment. My apartment is the main disabled hole. <laughs> oh, no. Fun fact for those of you interested, because I know that you guys don't want to know about stuff that happens in the books, even though it's history. This element is going to come back later in a big way. The the specific element of, like, Yerks are ableist and don't want disabled hosts. Um, remember that. Speaking of uh, the ideal male body and peak performance, let's talk about the Orf. Let's talk about the Carl Orf here. (laughs) They've got cool see-through bodies. They've got, like, false... I want a cool see-through body. They've got three legs. they got cool false organs that are, like, hey... I want false organs. I got a cool weak point right here. Oops, actually, all my 
relevant bits are in other places and it was an illusion and now you are dead. What is the deal with these? This is the ultimate form of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> the Zenith Schwarzenegger. He has yes. arisen. Arnold Zenith Schwarzenegger. Fun fact, Orf is... You guys so much. Well, uh, fun fact, Orf is just a uh, a corruption of the of the sound, which is you know just the, the Arnold noise. <laughs> that was really That's, good. It eventually evolved into just Orf for a common sort of ease of communication. As usual, I know this is actually you know maybe I'm gonna play against type. No, no, I kid. Uh, I think it did not happen, or I think at least if it did happen, it was it was completely in his head and not like he was literally transported to this fake reality. If it did happen, it was like some weird stuff in his head i also don't know who the voice at the end is supposed to be i don't think it is the elemist or krayak it's a troubling um, question which also i don't believe in nor nor so. does it seem like the droid i, I kind of feel like it's krayak basically playing at arm's length at this point because there's a lot of stuff that he's done and that he's tried and it hasn't worked to sort of mess with the elemist's plan for the animorphs and if this were real and if you know assuming krayak were real and everything this is I think that's the most likely explanation. Unless there's like another player who has a hand in all this that we haven't considered or we don't know about. Okay, so at the end, in chapter 28, Jake does explicitly say that it's not a voice he's ever heard before. Um, I don't remember how Krayak's voice is rendered the last time that we hear from Krayak. This it voice is rendered all in all caps, caps so Spooky. like it could be... Big. Bad. But, but also Krayak... I think has a better understanding of how human beings work than this, because this person is sort of, or this sort of cosmic entity is learning about people via this weird experiment. I also learn about people via weird experiments. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. What if, and mm -hmm. this is very out there. What if there is a, a cosmic entity who, and every time they imagine something, it makes like a parallel universe and they're imagining Jake doing all this stuff. I think it's just called the Betty Worlds theory. I think that that's like a thing that's been in. Right, yeah. right. Isn't that cool? That's, like... been, that's been a thing in the newosphere for some time now. Well, I... Okay, nerd. So he's popping over real quick to... I mean, he's not doing it voluntarily, that's for sure. He hates it there. It's like, wakes on up. It's like, oh boy, new reality. This sucks. I want to go home. Uh, and it doesn't work. <laughs> but he he does... He wins. He, he That's how he gets out. <laughs> Let's talk about the rest of the book. Uh, um, I I have notes, but my notes are all just God. This is really upsetting. Yeah. How do we feel about the way that the non-Jacob Animorph Animorphs are characterized in this book? Oh, so I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. First one that we meet is Cassie, who is a voluntary oh, well, actually, controller. Actually, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we even get into the alternate reality, I think the way that they're characterized in the beginning of the book in presumably our reality, I mean, who really knows? Like, parallel universes, maybe we wake up in a new parallel universe every day. Um, but in our reality, Wait, the what? way Wait, the fall are... backwards and, like, pass out from the <laughs> yeah. revelation. Uh, <laughs> Okay, that, that's it's it's that's like one theory I've heard about for like parallel universes is that you Zoinks. actually are like always changing what universe you're in, but you have all the memories that match up with being in that universe. Anyway, if I could make my point, I think it's really really interesting how this situation breaks down in terms of like this mission that they're on breaks down in terms of like what each kid's like character flaws are before Jake even goes into the alternate reality. 
you know, the big one, obviously, in that situation is Rachel refusing to leave because she's like, oh, I can take them. I can take them. And then you have, like, Cassie also is kind of the other obvious one, like, breaking down afterwards and being really upset, which I felt really bad for her. But you also have, like, Marco being the one basically telling Jake to trolley problem it and close the door and leave him and Rachel behind because he's the one who's, like, the pragmatist and sees the line. Tobias just pieces out. He's just done. He's gonna go brood. Good for him. Axis just sort of, like, understands the sort of dread inevitability of needing to continue to do these, like, overwhelming, awful missions. And so he's just like, well, are we back at it again tomorrow? But yeah, so I felt like that was... They were all being very much, like, themselves. Like, sort of the distilled form of themselves, you know? Um, and this really shows, like, both the strengths and weaknesses of the character portraits that they have. And then you see how that is affected by this alternate reality. I, I can only imagine that in this bizarre alternate reality that Jacob is in, uh, there are propaganda posters that just have Marco's, like, standing heroically on them with the caption, like, <laughs> see the bright, clear line. It seems propagandable, you know? Yeah. Evil Marco. Evil Marco was, like, really creepy in Uncanny Valley, especially, like, the way that he was, like, trying to hit Marco's sense of humor and wasn't quite managing it felt, like, very sort of Uncanny Valley to me. Yeah, Ooh. I was disturbed the most by Cassie, but I had, that's an interesting thing I hadn't thought of. And that also makes sense because, like, I identify with Marco, so that's the one that I'm freaked out right, by. Right, yeah. Tobias is the one who I spent the least time with in terms of getting his characterization in this sort of, like, bizarre alternate universe, but the one that I'm probably the most curious about because I could really see yeah. the other two. We get a little bit of Rachel, and Rachel is largely unchanged, yeah. which is cool. She sticks to her <laughs> guns. Um, what the heck is Tobias' deal even? I mean, he's obviously, he's... The Dandelite Nonflight. Well, but is he? Because I thought he keeps... There's like a red-tailed hawk hanging around. I think yeah. that that might be a symbolism kind of thing, because... Because uh, it's... I, I was reading that part, and I was like, it seems like he should be a Nonflight. It's... I think it's just Jake failing to maintain his grip on what is obviously a hallucination. Right, yeah. <laughs> just going back to what you were asking, so like, I... <sighs> If Professor Leone wanted us to read this version, it must be important. You know, uh, it must uh, have some greater value than the total nonsense sort of slop that we were going to read for T.A. Indras. Yeah. That said, it is very hard not to read this as just a really bad acid trip. <laughs> Like, it's really hard not to feel like Jake sort of, like, did, like, a big mission. Like, their last big mission was actually in, like, a, like a processing plant for some really hard psychedelics. The analysis airso in my brain that... Anal like analysis airso pushes your glasses back up under the bridge mm -hmm. of your nose a little bit. <laughs> and says, have you, have you returned your books? Um... <laughs> Anyways, so yeah. the analysis side of me is looking at this and saying, let's say it did happen, like, what's the, and, and, like, this kid experienced this glimpse of the future. Like, should we analyze it from a perspective of, like, oh boy, like, what's the value in that? I think that's a good question because I feel like, again, like, I'm struggling to sort of understand <laughs> I mean, I think it's kind of a, a, a warning. Like, that's the purpose is that it's, showing us what life would be like occupied by a different imperialist alien species instead of the ones that we're currently kind of mildly un undercover occupied by. Yeah, exactly. So, like, what is the... Like, I'm just kind of wondering, like, what we should take away from this. Like, what did, what did our professor, our actual professor, want us to 
take from this as students who this is not a possibility for anymore really and i think the year empire is permanently like screwed up enough that they're not going to be able to pull this off again right but is the andalite empire like do you think that they're doing something similar to this just not without our knowing so it's a commentary on totalitarianism outside of the specific context of it being yerkish totalitarianism yeah. their totalitarian rule is like especially i feel like it's grossly mischaracterized here because it's in new york city like i feel like the the, the change do you in mean location. do you mean do you mean new, new york, york city oh my god yes i was so correct. disappointed I, that joke never got made i do i do mean new york city in new york city like <laughs> in new york city i just feel like everything that's like happening in society it, it's both like the apex of society and like the absolute worst because new york is just like all it has of, wall street yeah <laughs> and it's all of like american society compressed into one tiny little island so do you think that there could have been a middle ground that could have been reached even if the yurks took over and like we saw that one like group of people who were like escaping from it and sort of making their own society like is that literal or should we take that more as the symbolic yeah should we make take that more as the like symbolic uh representation of breaking away from like capitalism or a specific like andalite rule or just mm. i don't know american society in general we live in a society i think this is a good question and i don't want to muddle it up too much but i do have a sort of additional sort of twist to put on that question yeah uh, please do. you have to consider so that what are they ef like evolution front or something like that i don't remember yeah what it actually stands for right so you've got this mildly utopian congregation of elders and kiddos who are being raised outside this sort of totalitarian control and are getting an opportunity to raise the next generation in a like you know less traumatic setting so like there's value to be gained from that but i think that there's also especially value to be gained from looking at that society the sort of ef society mm -hmm. in the context of the other outside of the norm sort of social group that exists here which is the maimed and disabled hole which i really need to which mm, which chapter yeah. is this maimed and disabled hole was funny for a while but it is upsetting me a little bit now i mean i think the real name is just as bad whatever it was the thing that that really struck me about that bit where jake goes down and he sees all of us at like societal rejects and people who just like have disabilities or like sort of major injuries uh that prevent them from being quote-unquote ideal hosts is that those people there's not a lot of hope in that community whatsoever like i don't think there's a single person who's like oh you know basically everybody down here thinks that life kind of sucks under this situation let's use that momentum and let's rally you know basically everybody in that in that particular i don't know which chapter is that everybody in that like um, i don't think there's a chapter nine chapter nine thank you very much wow it was only chapter nine and they hit us with that <laughs> casualties of a fitness policy is yeah. how this one dude describes them. But it doesn't really matter, does it? We're all prey. Mm. There's no hope in this particular group. Uh, no, you must stay with us alone. You won't last two hours, but like... Well, isn't the Cassie of the 10 year in the future thing, isn't she working with them at all? She's working with the EF people. But not with the disabled people. I think the disabled people are sort of like vaguely associated 
Because uh, the one guy says the EF calls us refugees. So yeah. I think they at least have some kind of relationship with the EF, but it's not clear what it is. And he's also putting up posters for the EF. So are we to understand the casualties of the fitness policy in relationship to the EF? Are we to understand that they are kind of the uncomfortable middle ground that exists in a wartime situation where it, like the Animorphs have to make ethical sacrifices in order to do their missions? And the EF's sort of ethical sacrifice is these like, I mean, pretty explicitly described festering pits of misery of people mm-hmm. who deserve better but are unable to escape from their situation, right? Sounds like the congregate care settings in the 2019 to 2021 COVID pandemic, honestly. Yeah, so like, are we to understand that this sort of group of disenfranchised people in the context of, you know, the EF's battle with New York, the New York Empire... Are we to understand them as kind of the, yeah, the the casualties, quote unquote, the sort of like the the ones who had to be left behind? Or are we to understand them as like a group that's been so thoroughly disenfranchised that they've lost hope and they can't actually sort of mobilize and improve their situation at all? Because the second one doesn't seem like, doesn't seem like it sort of follows the pattern of the way that disenfranchised people operate in a totalitarian situation, you know? Well, Mm -hmm. okay, I have a third um, hypothesis here. Sure. So Jake in general, as we see later when he's interacting with future Rachel, Mm -hmm. I think tends towards a sort of pitying view a lot of the time of disabled people. Yes. So my proposal is that Jake's view of this group of people he meets is actually just incorrect. Yeah, it definitely is filtered through his own experience. That much is sort of undeniable. We talked about this with Cassie as well, where she is, (laughs) her books always seem so much more visceral and like grisly and intense and just absolutely like untenable practically from an emotional standpoint, just because they're so like she's so sensitive to all the stuff that's happening whereas jake is so ableist and not really capable of i mean hey he's not the most ableist of the animorphs axe (laughs) yeah axe well yeah he's not the most ableist but his perspective definitely colors the situation yeah i guess that's true i i just want to think about like cassie's changed moral stance yeah oh yeah let's talk about cassie Bohr. that totally just meeting her was honestly so uh, uh, cassie's changed worldview the fact that she has a yurk she's like a voluntary host doesn't really bother me because it seems like they genuinely have the same aims um because they are both capable of acknowledging that there is a better way for everybody and their aim is pretty good huh? you see what you did to those taxons hey god <laughs> don't make me think about taxons in this book but then like she is basically willing to do like the Rachel thing every single time and has given up hope that there's a better way and looks at like everything they did as kids as like, oh, those were just like, those were exciting days and I like hardly remember them and like, wow, that was so crazy, remember? But like, what if their methods were always guerrilla warfare? Like, I-, I think we talked about this a lot in class a few weeks ago and I feel like, I don't know. You just end up losing part of what you're fighting for when you keep yeah. when when you keep just sacrificing like your goodwill and all that just to hit people as hard as you can as quick as you can for a cause instead of I don't know doing the Cassie thing. <laughs> 
I think it's it's also like really upsetting to see Cassie acting like this. I as much as I am like a Marco type person, as much as I do often disagree with Cassie's like feelings on various issues, I do think that it is like very sort of important that they have someone on the team who is an idealist and who is the one who's always going to worry about this kind of stuff. Like they except for like Marco and sometimes Rachel I think that a lot of times they're not like being, you know, cruel and trying to burst her bubble. They're like generally trying to like accept that her perspective is valuable. And so to see that go from like, you know, her willingness to think about the thorny moral and ethical problems and her willingness to like check everyone and say like, are we really doing the right thing is like a really integral part of what makes her like a very cherished member of the team. And so to see her lose that, you know, in many ways, I think she's kind of the heart of the team and to see her lose that is like really upsetting. (laughs) Yeah, you don't really always think about it actively that you need someone like that to hold you back from just going over the brink in in yeah, but... I, I agree that it is distressing. This is where the emotional reality really starts to kick in, other than just like, I'm in a crazy sci-fi dystopia. <laughs> but it's just like, oh, here's my friend who's kind of lost her way in this way. I would hesitate to pin the blame on Cassie. Like, the way that I'm seeing this is oh, that... Oh, no, I don't blame her. Right. The way that I'm seeing this, though, is that this is just what war does to people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not Cassie's fault that she's like this. We see Rachel having a different relationship with war in this in the scenario even though she's got like she's ar- arguably suffered the most i don't really so like i would argue that probably marco is the one who suffered the most because he's the one that's being controlled i don't remember how rachel's sort of take on it is different she's just not uh like an active combatant right now but i feel like cassie kind of well i think rachel it sounds like she hasn't changed that much Whereas Cassie has changed a lot. I think maybe it's because Cassie is more sort of sensitive and empathetic. And so in some ways I can see her circumstances like affecting who she is more because I think she sort of is more adaptable to her circumstances, if that makes sense. Yeah, she's more, she's like a sponge a little bit more, whereas Rachel yeah. just sort of does the Rachel thing. She's realized at this point that that she can't be that. If That if she allows herself to be that, then she will destroy herself. And so she just cuts that part of herself off. She kind of compartmentalizes, and then that's the, the, that's the Cassie we need. No one uses fax machines, but call, you'll hear the noise. Statues left by ancient Greeks, the perfect cheeks of Chips piled three feet high is my favorite sentence in this book. <laughs> or actually, maybe no broccoli in sight. Those are both good. At the far end, a ring of taxons stuffed pot pie after a pot pie into the mouse chewed on the hork This is an unrealistic representation of both taxons and Yerk society. I don't think anyone cheers on a taxon ever. Also, if you were at a place with food, why would you ever, ever let a taxon, like, also be there? (laughs) Why would you ever let a taxon eat anything that had any sort of, like, degree of moisture in it whatsoever, let alone a pot pie? If you're, you're, like, slamming, if you're, like, chain-slamming pot pies, like, that's gonna get messy real quick. (laughs) God. (laughs) I hate it. I hate it. Um, tacos and pizza... Cheese sticks, buffalo wigs, hamburgers, chicken strips. Um, 
It's uh-huh. it's cool that that the human experience is defined by non-human people as being dominated by all of the cool flavors we could experience. That makes me happy. All like, of the cool flavors. All, even in a sci-fi dystopia, it's all about the flavor. It's all about Flavor Town. Let's go. <laughs> the flavors of salt and grease. Salt and grease. <laughs> I'm looking at my notes. Honestly, I don't really have that much else to say other than jake calling out fake elfangor i am totally on board with him like i get that elfangor like didn't have a lot of choices but being like hello random assortment of kids you have to save the world now is kind of a dick move i mean but okay you're about to you're about to get killed like yeah i mean it's not great but i get it it, but it still is just like a dick move i guess if you if i were a 15 year old teen in california i would probably also think it was a dick move nobody wants that level of responsibility especially a teen it's like i don't think like we're getting into the sort of stuff we haven't been assigned at class but it wasn't just chance was it like it tobias's dad coming down and giving tobias and all of his little all of his little friends like superpowers that's not well that that, depends on whether the elements or not is involved whether or not you're a filthy atheist and don't believe the good word (laughs) of the elements proud and filthy atheist these kids don't seem traumatized at all, I said. They seem completely normal. Yeah, that must be really weird for you, Jake. That must be really, <laughs> that must be really weird to see, huh? <laughs> A non-traumatized child? What? <laughs> That's weird. I'm not used to that. Jake will see a kid and be like, is anyone going to traumatize that and not wait for an answer? <laughs> Oh my god. What does the scouter say about his trauma level? (laughs) It's under (laughs) 9,000! He's not an anamorph! (laughs) What's your trauma level? I think my- I'm I'm sitting solid, like, right at 9,000, I think. That's- that's pretty- that's pretty powerful. I would say I'm at, like, probably, like, a thousand. Wimp. (laughs) Get more traumatized weenies. Alright, next week we're ostensibly reading- What what are we reading next week? I don't know. What I don't know. Book forty two, the somethinging. The journey. Uh, uh, this one. Have you read this one, Cassandra? I've read all of the main fifty four. Do you remember this one? Mm, is this the legally required by everything? Ever oh no! Children shrinking down small to fix your friend's illness book. Yes, this is the magic yeah. school bus. Yes. This is the human body. Yeah, I remember. Okay, so I haven't actually read yeah, this, this one's but definitely fake. I haven't read this one, but I I know I know what goes down in this one. I'm very excited. Do you think we should like just straight up go to the actual like class discussion for this one? Honestly, that would be really funny. Like, yeah, that would I be feel a like good this time. Would be one where like everyone's gonna be goofy. Yeah, a Helmicron one is definitely the one that we should go yeah. to. And this is like, <laughs> this is like <laughs> Helmicron two electric boogaloo. So <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, so next week we're reading Animorphs number 42, The Journey. It's been great talking with y'all. Cool. So, great. All sorry, right. I had to say okay. Great. All right. Bye. You guys want to watch a movie <laughs> or something? Let's safe. get out of here. Bye. Stay safe. The Morph Report would like to take a moment to thank our second Patreon backer, Maddie. Thank you so much for supporting our efforts so that we can pay someone to transcribe our podcast. If any of our other listeners are interested in also backing our Patreon, please check it out. We have a variety of tiers, including some that we haven't published yet because we're still workshopping them. Some of those will include making us read the extra books, read Everworld, or watch the TV series. So if you're interested, 
please give us a look and back us so that we can work on formulating those new, really exciting tiers. Thank you. Stay safe. Thanks to Noelle Micarelli for the use of their songs Comic Book Girl, off the EP Field Notes from Another Place, and Complicated Spoon. You can find more of their music at noellemicarelli.bandcamp.com. The Morph Report is hosted by Marina Malucci, Scrivener Lamb, and Blythe. You could follow us on Twitter at Morph Report. If you have a question for the Podmorphs, tweet at us or send us an email, and we'll answer it on the show. Our email is themorphreport at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. love the Animorph series? How about podcasts? Do you love podcasts? Well, then listen no further, dear listener, and allow me to introduce the Animorphs podcast directory. Here you'll find an ever-growing list of Animorphs-themed podcasts to sit your every Animorphin desire. Check it out. We'll see you there.